Hey there, and welcome to the fourth episode of Lights, Cameras, Teach. I believe that just like an action-packed movie, a successful classroom needs a good director. Each episode of this podcast will share ideas about why I think it's essential to keep kids engaged in active learning and how to make the classroom a place where kids want to be. Happy New Year! Today is actually January 2nd, 2020, so welcome to 2020. In the last episode, I posed the reflection questions regarding personal learning networks and social media. I think when used correctly, social media is a massive asset to educators or any profession. 17 years ago when I started teaching, there wasn't Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Most of the ideas I used came from my students' teaching experience and from other teachers in my school. The occasional PD workshop or conference would bring in some new ideas, but there wasn't that one-stop place to share, gather, collaborate new lessons, books, and ideas. My advice for teachers or any professional who's looking for social media to grow their practice is to choose who you follow carefully. I try to only follow people who inspire me to be better and share content that I find valuable. I avoid filling my social media feeds with selfies, advertisements, or negativity. I just have no time for haters or posers. We all showcase our best selves on social media, and I think it's important that what we see we have to take with a grain of salt. Social media is a powerful tool, but I warn educators to use it with caution. Let's get real. Most, if not all, of what we do in our classrooms have been inspired by something that we saw someone else do. Teachers borrow and tweak ideas from each other all the time. When posting teaching content on social media, however, I think it's important to give credit to the source. I also like to tag or mention where the materials or the resources came from so that others can find it. Social media has led me to meet some incredible people. I've made some great real-life friends from people who were once strangers from social media. I would never have met these friends if it wasn't for Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Reflection questions for you. Question one, how do you determine what social media handles to follow? Question two, have you built a teaching tribe from those you've connected with on social media? Question three, what are your favorite hashtags to follow? In this episode, I'm going to share two of my favorite classroom games for reviewing academic content. My room simulations are not the only thing I do to engage students in active learning. I think that there's a lot of value in kids participating in educational games to review content as they learn to work collaboratively with each other. A photo of each of these games will be attached to my blog post at thekevinjbutler.com. The two games that I'm sharing today can be used in almost any grade or content area. When I use games to review academic subjects, I have four rules. The first is all students must be active participants in the game. There shouldn't be anyone sitting back, just watching or waiting for their turn. The second, I don't give answer keys. Students work cooperatively to figure out if they're right or they're wrong. 
they know that I should be the last person that they ask for help regarding if an answer to one of their questions is correct or incorrect. The third is, I don't tell students how long a game is going to last. Not knowing how long a game is going to be will help muster up a sense of urgency and keep students from wasting time. Most of the games that I play with my class last between 3 and 15 minutes. Since students may not finish or win, I will often give the students a copy of the game to play at home. And the fourth is students must be aware of the academic objective of the game and be able to explain the purpose of the game to anyone who may enter the room. All right, the first game that I'm going to describe to you is called Classmate Search. I begin this game by handing each student a question board attached to a clipboard. The question board consists of 24 rectangles. Inside each rectangle, I write a statement or a word. For example, if we were reviewing the states and the capitals, I would place the name of a different state in each of those rectangles. Next, each student is handed a headband, which I buy at the dollar store, and a 4x6 index card that I fold in half. On the front of each index card, I write a capital city. Students place the headband around their head and insert the back of the index card between the headband and their forehead, making sure that the word is visible. The game starts with students standing up and walking around the classroom. Students search for a classmate who is wearing an answer to one of the questions from the question board. Rather than writing the answer on the question sheet, students have to write the name of the classmate who is wearing the answer on their forehead. Students may not speak to each other during this game and must continue to move around the classroom. At the end of the game, students return to their seats, remove the index cards and headbands from their head. When we go over the answers, we yell out the name of the student who was wearing the answer on their forehead. I actually just played this game before winter break, uh, right before my class was going to take a vocabulary midterm. On the game sheet in each rectangle, I wrote the definition of one of the vocabulary words, and on the index cards, uh, I wrote the uh, actual vocabulary word. I've done this with math, I've done this in social studies, matching up dates with events, um, so you could do this with really almost anything. Okay, the next game is Puzzle Mania. I take an 11 by 17 piece of copy paper and use a pencil and a ruler to, to divide it up into 24 rectangles, six columns, and four rows. On the sides of each rectangle, I write a different word. The words on the corresponding sides have some type of connection. They might be synonyms or antonyms, typical references, a math equation with an answer, um, a date with an event. For example, one edge may say 3 times 2, and the corresponding side from another piece says 6, so those two would match up. After I finish writing everything out on all the sides of the piece of paper, I photocopy the number of puzzles I need, I cut them out um, on the lines that I drew with the pencil and the ruler, um, and put all the pieces into a Ziploc bag. 
after giving very detailed directions for this game to my class and even showing a little example, each student or each group gets their own bag, they take out the pieces and they have to start putting it together. I usually have students work in teams of two or three. When students think they are finished, I check their work to make sure that they made the correct matches. Warning, this game is a lot more challenging than it appears. Reflection questions for you. Number one, how can you use games to review content and engage students in active learning? Question two, what can you do to ensure that every single student is an active participant in that game? And number three, are you able to adapt one of the games that I described to content that you're teaching in your own classroom? Today's guest on Lights, Cameras, Teach is the one and only Ray Hewart. In addition to teaching sixth grade math, she's a professor at Illinois State University and is the director of training and development for Teach Better. Oh my goodness, I am so excited to have you on this episode of Lights, Camera, Teach. The listeners may not know, but Ray is seriously the hardest working person I know, and I actually believe that she's not even human. I think she's a robot. <laughs> so I am truly honored to be able to steal a few minutes of your day today. So thank you so much. Kevin, you're far too nice to me. This is the only thing I'm doing today. See, I'm not really that busy I don't at all. believe that at all, but thank you for being kind. Um, so in about 60 seconds or less, can you tell us just a little bit about yourself? Yeah, for sure. Hey, everyone. Uh, my name's Ray. I'm currently a sixth grade math teacher in Illinois. I'm also the director of training and development for the Teach Better team. I am an adjunct professor at Illinois State University, and I grew up in the Chicagoland area. So it's kind of fun. I've stayed in Illinois, but gotten to travel north and south a little bit. That's awesome. Um, I teach fifth grade, you teach sixth grade, and there is such a difference between fifth and sixth graders. So uh, thank you for all you do. <laughs> no, are you crazy? I love, they come in like these little, little kids and then they leave adults all in one year. Yeah. It's so People funny. don't get it. Like they say, why do you like fifth grade? Why not go to sixth grade? But when I taught in New York, I was the last class, fifth grade classroom. And then the sixth grade classroom started next to me. And I mean, you could just tell the difference, but um, everybody has their well, I'm, niche. I'm biased. I love my sixth graders. So I'm glad that you teach fifth grade so then I can get Perfect. them and they can be sarcastic and hormonal. <laughs> um, I often talk about it was my third grade teacher who inspired me to become a teacher. Um, and a lot of what I do in the classroom today is because of her. Um, do you have a favorite teacher or someone who inspired you to become a teacher? Oh, Kevin, I had so many good teachers, but to be honest with you, I really struggled in school. I, I hated, I was like the worst student. I had an IEP that I was diagnosed with on second grade. I was um, labeled as like SLD. And okay. so school was a really like negative place for me, to be honest, growing up. But when I think of my favorite teacher, and I'm supposed to think like grade level teacher, but um, I had a dance instructor who was in my life from, gosh, I bet I was five years old up until now. I still keep in contact with her. And she was the 
absolute inspiration to get into education. She's an amazing person. So Laverne Lehman, wow. she's the best. That's awesome. It's, it's funny. At my school, we have an amazing dance teacher as well, who I know she's inspiring people every single day. So it's not always just classroom oh, so teachers. Funny. There's such a variety of people out there. Yeah, absolutely. She is. I owe her a lot. Uh, yeah. A ton. So you and I officially met in person in Ohio at the Teach Better Conference, which I have to say was the warmest welcome I've ever received. Um, <laughs> Wait, can I preface? Sure. I just told my husband how you and I met <laughs> last night. And I was like, he walked in and all of a sudden I just yelled, Kevin yes. Butler. <laughs> I'm like, I had never met you in my whole life. And I just yelled out across the room. It was so funny. There were like big hugs from everybody. I was called Kevin Butler, like for two days straight. So hopefully we're all on a <laughs> first name basis now. Um, yes. But how did you and I first connect? Do you remember? Gosh, I, you know what? I, I do only because I was just talking about it. I, I honestly, I found you on Instagram. Okay. You were continuously somebody doing amazing things. And so I was a, an awesome stalker follower um, of the Kevin Butler. You know, I'm like the president of the fan club. So it was great to connect with you there. I, I'm new to Instagram. Right. So you were a fun inspiration okay. for an educator to connect with that was just doing really, you know, purposeful right, things. Right, right. That's, that's the benefits of social media. We hear so many bad things about it, but being able to build this network of professional people that you probably would never get to collaborate with otherwise is it's really cool. Oh, completely. Absolutely. And um, I think so what I loved is that you and I, like, just the way that you teach is something I totally connect with. And I love that you're so dedicated to your students and you create these amazing experiences. And they're more than just physical changes to your classroom. They're like right. really intentional and purposeful for students. And so trying to do that also in my own classroom, I was like, oh, this is a perfect person to connect with. I've learned so much. Well, thank you. Um, so you are part of the Teach Better team. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how you got involved with Teach Better? Sure. Yeah, it's kind of a funny story. We were talking about social media. Um, I connected with the Teach Better team on social media, on Twitter. And I was hosting a chat for Dave Burgess, who if you're not, if you haven't read the Teach Like a Pirate book, it's a great one out there. It was a New York bestseller for educators. And um, I was hosting his chat as a newbie to Twitter. And I connected with this group at the time that was called the grid method. And they just reached out saying, Oh, great job hosting the, the Twitter chat. And I was like, Oh, thanks. And, um, you know, Jeff Gargas is on the other side saying like, Hey, can we connect further? Right. And it was comical because I thought he was trying to sell me something. I'm like, <laughs> I'm a teacher. I don't have any money. And, um, go figure that, you know, two, three years later, I'm now not only, with the team, you know, a part owner in the team, but also uh, he's one of my best friends. That's I mean, awesome. It's just coincidental, you meet people out virtually. Yeah. yeah, I mean, just the conference alone, which was in November, um, it was honestly one of the most authentic, genuine conferences I've ever been to. I went there not knowing anybody. Like, I was a little nervous. Like, I was going across the country. I'd never been to Ohio before. Um, but I left within 48 hours with so many new friends and connections. I mean, it's, it's really something magical. No, I'm so glad that was a huge focus of the conference. You know, the teach better team does so much to support teachers, whether you're looking for a blog or an online course or live professional development in your district. Like there's a lot of different areas and a conference was something that I feel like our network was asking for. Right. And so we said, okay, finally we'll, we'll do something. And to be honest, the day that we met, because we met the Thursday before the event, 
yep. we weren't planning on ever doing a conference again. Like it was just, oh, wow. that we were just saying, yeah, we were just like, okay, great. Let's try it out. And, um, it was an enormous success. I'm, and you know, a huge focus was that networking piece. So yep. I'm so glad that you enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so you also just published a book with Jeff, Chad, and Tiffany. Can you describe a little bit about what that journey was like with writing the book? Oh, gosh. Writing a book was fascinating. For me, especially, I'm not a reader much or a writer. Um, I audio listen to everything. Like, the fact that I was writing a book was like a joke in my entire family. Um, <laughs> that they were like, you can't write a book. You don't read books. I'm like, okay, wait. I'll, I'm, I'm getting better, right? Um, but writing the book with three of my best friends was the best experience. You know, they kind of took the reins and I feel like I got to watch this amazing project come together and just contribute my stories. So the whole book is dedicated to teach better mindset, you know, better today than you were yesterday and better tomorrow than you were today. So each chapter kind of targets one area and talks about the tactical strategies to make it even better, uh, while also sharing some very personal stories about a lot of a lot of things. So it was fun to put together. That's, that's neat. Um, previously in this episode, I talked a little bit about different ways that I engage my own students in active learning. Um, your classroom is full of active learners. Can you talk a little bit about how you engage your students in that idea of authentic learning? Oh, for sure. It's my favorite topic to discuss. But, um, you know, I use something that allows my students to learn their content through themed internships that are all sponsored by local businesses. Right. So my students are truly like immersed in their content and shown the why of their content before they ever even begin to learn the details. And so it's been an amazing uh, opportunity to partner with, you know, over 25 organizations in our community to really show the relevancy day in, day out of our classroom. And it's so fun. It's so enjoyable. And I think that's how the students come in and, and really give their all, you know, for as hard as we're asking them to work. Um, they know their why and they know that they have coaches and cheerleaders to get them towards mastery. So it's really, really fun. That's awesome. Um, all right. So before we go, um, can we do a quick little plug? Because Teach Better just announced some news today on social media. Would you like to share a little bit about it? Okay, wait. So we have news, but there's a lot of news that we're announcing. I don't think today, tomorrow, we're announcing big news. Is that what you're talking about? January 2nd. January 2nd, tomorrow. Yes. Yeah. Tomorrow. Yes. We are announcing a speakers network that we are thrilled that you're involved in, Kevin. I am so excited. It's going to be an insane opportunity for us to bring in even more educators, even more experts in the field and amplify their story and bring their, you know, specialty to our network. I'm so honored that you joined oh, us. It's going to be an amazing. I, I'm honored. I mean, just hop on to teachbetter.com and you can see all the amazing people that are partnering up. Um, it's going to be it's going to be amazing. Yeah, so all week long and obviously for the rest of the year, you'll be seeing a lot of details of who's a part of our speakers network and how you can get involved as listeners to, um, you know, understanding all that they are giving back to education. But we're very excited that this is, you know, one of the many goals we have up our sleeve for 2020. Very cool. And before I let you go, I always like to end each interview, which what I call uh, the rapid five. Um, I'm just going to ask you five questions and all you need to do is answer with whatever first first pops into your head. Okay. Ooh, I'm ready. All right. So number one is uh, spring or fall? Fall. All the okay. Way. Uh, favorite movie? 
the holiday with like Cameron Diaz and Jude Law. Okay. Oh, so good. Um, breakfast or dinner? That one's easy. Dinner all the way. I hate breakfast. Okay. Um, it's uh, the New Year. So what's your New Year's resolution? Ooh, I think so. I have a lot of different things, but New Year's resolution to become best friends. With them, that's, that's <laughs> Deal. Yeah. And um, last one. Will there be a Teach Better 20 conference? There will. Details are coming out this February. Awesome. I'm so excited. Awesome. Well, Ray, thank you so much for being a guest on Lights, Cameras, Teach. Um, I hope 2020 brings you um, lots of happiness. And for anyone who is uh, listening and interested in learning more about Ray and the incredible Teach Better team, please hop over to their website, teachbetter.com, um, or grab a copy of their book, Teach Better, uh, which was published by two of my favorite pirates, Dave and Shelley Burgess. So thank you so much, Ray. I appreciate Kevin. You rock. Bye. So that wraps up this episode of Lights, Cameras, Teach. I'll be back next week with an all-new episode where I'll be talking about my second non-negotiable called Making Memories and Building Bonds. My guests next week are former students who I had in both fourth and fifth grade. They will be sharing their memories from the two years that we spent together, as well as the importance in building bonds both in and outside of the classroom. Until next week, thanks for listening.